What is Tony Khan's massive announcement now? Where is Cesaro going to be after leaving WWE? We answer those questions and some of your other fan questions next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, the big news in the wrestling industry. A lot of speculation going on, so let's get down to it. Had a couple people ask us, so let's answer it. What is Tony Khan's massive announcement, which he said will probably be announced on this upcoming episode of AEW Dynamite? Well, look, I think that the only thing in my mind that's left for it to be a mess that that could potentially be a massive announcement, if it's not going to be some type of talent that he's signing, it's got to be a super show, right? Because what right. what else is there left to do? What else is there left to announce? If it's not talent related, um, you know, it's got to be some type of show. Um, maybe even if it's in a stadium of some sort, people are speculating MSG, potentially including um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that's what I'm going to go with. That's what I think this is going to end up being. I think the only possible scenario where it could be massive or good for wrestling and wrestling fans is if AEW bought out Ring of Honor or bought the library or something like that, because I think what that actually helps. And I went back and forth with someone on our community page about this, and they actually brought up a good point. What this could potentially do is they bring in potential one helps them with their next TV deal for a potential streaming deal, which I, that will be really good for AEW and for the wrestling industry as a whole. Two, Ring of Honor has a bunch of WWE guys that worked in Ring of Honor that you now have access to their matches that you could now promote on AEW streaming network and bring in some fans that watch solely WWE. And it's like, wait. Uh, Seth Rollins was in Ring of Honor. AJ Styles was in Ring of Honor. Kevin Owens was in Ring of Honor. Sami Zayn was in Ring of Honor. You bring those fans that didn't know they were in Ring of Honor, watch that, and then they're like, okay, now that I do that, I'll have a little taste of AEW now. If that's what they're bringing to their product is something similar to Ring of Honor was years back. Um, I think that could definitely play a huge role. I agree with you, though. I think this is some type of Super show. I think New Japan will get involved. I think you might see like AAA and some other, maybe even Impact get played into this too. Kind of like what we saw with All In. If it's similar to All In and it's at a big arena like a Madison Square Garden or an arena of that magnitude, I don't know how that's not considered massive. If it's anything outside of those two, I think this is one of those again where Tony Khan overhypes and under delivers. No, I agree. And it's not so much that it's uh, his last couple announcements or the ones that he really hypes up and says like, this is, you know, a massive announcement. It's going to, you know, shift the landscape of professional wrestling. He'll refer to some of the guys as like, you know, mega stars or big, big stars, things like that. I mean, all of the people that were brought into AEW certainly had a, a list of credentials or certainly had potential to be, maybe that uh, that big star at some point, like a Keith Lee. Um, but, you know, you do have, a, I would, I would fear to imagine to say a good percentage of the fans who were let down by the fact that they didn't, they weren't necessarily as big a star as maybe he was leading on to be. So uh, for him to come out and say something like this, to me, in my mind, it has to be a big show. It has to be somewhere like an MSG. It has to be somewhere where, Maybe they're going to see, you know, however, 20 plus thousand people um, and, and partnering with New Japan Pro Wrestling 
uh, because, you know, like you said, right around before the pandemic, and I might have even been before AEW was a thing, there was that super show that was at MSG, and a lot of the the cast characters that are in AEW now were involved in that. So um, I think that's what we're going to get out of this. Right. Now, that MSG show you're talking about, that was New Japan, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, um, or G1 Supercard, I'm sorry, yeah. is what that was called. That was WrestleMania weekend, WrestleMania 35. So AEW was about to start. Right. And that show sold out just solely on the speculation that the main event was going to be Kenny Omega and, and Kazuchika Okada, right. and that never happened. So now, that if this is a super show, and it involves New Japan, and Omega is going to be cleared at this, at this point, you know that is going to be at least a match on the card. Main event, I don't know, depending on you know who's champions and what they want to sell. But that's going to be on the card, and I think that will sell out whether it is MSG or Barclays or an arena of that magnitude. Definitely is massive. And when you talk about you know the, it, the shape of the industry or whatever, how this could be massive, I think this kind of helps bring back the territories and like get people you know, rotating around different promotions. And when someone is away and doing stuff with New Japan, it keeps them fresh for when they return to AEW and vice versa. So I think that's definitely going to help in today's wrestling where like social media is such a problem keeping guys fresh today. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and anything, any, if anything uh, is going to help the wrestlers kind of get some extra attention and make it where they don't have to be solely working in, you know, one promotion um, or get a little extra attention on some of the other promotions, that's, that's a good thing overall for the industry. True. Now, I do want to kind of side quest here. And ask a question. I know this is a fan Q&A episode, but as a fan myself, I have to ask this because I always try to point out hypocrisies within wrestling fans, Ralph. And typically, it ends up happening that I have AEW fans that I call hypocritical when they're criticizing WWE. But I'm going to flip the script here. Now, I have not seen anybody actually point this out as an AEW fan but I'm pointing this out. So everyone ridicules Tony Khan and our, we do it as well of him overhyping and under delivering certain announcements where like the debut of Christian Cage, the debut of Keith Lee, WWE this past Friday has named Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, the biggest match in WrestleMania history already. That is overhyping and under-delivering because no way is that the biggest match in WWE history. No way will it be the biggest match in WWE history, whether it's good or bad. How is that not getting ridicule where Tony Khan, who has done it, you know, has done it multiple times, people crucify him, but yet I have yet, yet to see anybody say, Vince McMahon's an idiot for overhyping this match with Brock and Roman. I wouldn't say it's overhyping it. It's, it's setting an expectation for something that, you know, um, he thinks the fans should feel after this match. Um, this is, this is everything that a promoter is supposed to do. Every, every pay-per-view. So hold on. So how's that different than saying this wrestler that we are I, signing? I'm, I'm about to tell you, landscape. I'm about to tell you. So for, for Go starters, ahead. every, every pay-per-view, whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's uh UFC, whether it's a big MMA fight, whether it's, a grudge match between MMA fighters, whether it's the Super Bowl, it's 
it's always promoted as the biggest or the best or whatever you have it. You know, back in the day, it was Tito Ortiz and it was Ken Shamrock and that was the biggest grudge match. Next weekend, the UFC actually has a really big grudge match booked in Colby Covington and uh, Jorge Masvidal. So this this is not very common when it comes to promoting big shows, big events. And, that, and that's fine. If Tony Khan were to come out and say Double or Nothing is going to be the biggest and best pro wrestling show in history... That's fine, because a lot of times what ends up dictating if it was truly the best or truly the biggest or whatever is, is how, how it performs, how well it's, it's, re, it's received by the fans. I don't know what's going to happen with Brock and Roman, but if it ends up being a really good match and Roman ends up going over and ends up carrying the title and facing Rock uh, at next year's WrestleMania, then we'll look back on this as a very big and very important pay-per-view match. Is it going to be the biggest and the best no, I mean, biggest maybe by the size of the audience and maybe biggest based on, you know, the last 10 years, the fact that it's a unification match and all those types of things. There's a lot of intrigue that's going into this match. Is it bigger than Hogan and Rock? Probably not. Is it bigger than Rock uh, Rock and Austin? Probably not. Is it probably the biggest main event in WrestleMania? I would say in the last five maybe 10 years. I think it's mm-hmm. in that conversation. And if it goes out, if they go out there and perform to a certain level, then I think people are going to start to ha- at least have the conversation, you know, maybe where do we rank it? And that's something that's interesting. Here's where it's different from what Tony Khan is doing with his, when the, when he goes out there and promotes the talent that he's bringing in as, you know, mega stars, or he refers to somebody as somebody who can shift the landscape of pro wrestling any of that stuff, when you start talking about that, it's based on what they've previously done, right? He's, he's telling fans that he's bringing somebody in that's already a megastar. He's bringing somebody in that's already has this stature and this, this claim to fame that's going to change or shift the landscape in pro wrestling. Hack wasn't that person. Christian wasn't that person. And Keith Lee, to this point, is still just a guy that came from WWE that has a lot of potential. None of them are anybody that are mega stars or great game changing or anything like that. So if he were to come out and say that he signed, you know, really talented people, however you want to put it, that's fine because he did. But to go out there and mislead the fans and let, lead them to think like, okay, well, when you say megastar, a couple names come to mind. Brock Lesnar, um, John Cena, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Rock, like those are megastars, people who are recognizable outside the industry you're talking about. Keith Lee's not that guy right now. Christian Cage certainly is not that guy, nor was he ever really, because he was always really kind of, unfortunately, second fiddle to edge. And, and Pac was never going to be a guy that was going to be uh, changing the foundation of pro wrestling. He's hardly promoted on their shows, and Christian's like a manager at this point. That's the difference between this. If Tony, Tony Khan wants to go out there and promote his shows, as the best or the biggest, go ahead and do it, man. That's fine. That's you going out there and trying to sell pay-per-views, which is what WWE is trying to do. But when you go out there and mislead people and tell them that you're signing this megastar and he's done it continuously, that's not the same thing in my mind. Here's why I think they are the same. Because you talk about Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and this is the biggest match ever in WrestleMania history. Isn't that based off of what they've done in the past, Brock Lesnar, the next big thing, and dethroning the Rock at SummerSlam 2002, winning the Royal Rumble 2003, having probably the best rookie year for any WWE superstar has ever seen. 
and all the stuff that he's done since he's come back in 2012. Roman Reigns main eventing, what, five WrestleManias? This is going to be number six, if I'm not mistaken, which I think puts him at second behind only Hulk Hogan for most main events at WrestleMania. And when you think about the fact that you could probably name at least five matches bigger and not just bigger after what happened afterwards, but what was bigger heading into that WrestleMania, it's not the biggest one. It's overhyping to sell pay-per-views. It's no, over- it is not. It's it is overhyping. Absolute- what dictates what's... A- Explain to me what dictates what a big match is. What's a big match? Any of those matches you said, what, what, what do you refer to? Why do you okay, refer to it off, as a big match? The biggest match ever at WrestleMania history... Is is Hogan versus Andre? Was it the best match? Was it the best match Why? ever? No. What made it the biggest? One. Those are the two biggest stars, even today. And at that time, in 1987, you weren't getting bigger than Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant at a time where professional wrestling was at its probably all time peak of mainstream notoriety. You want to say the Attitude Era? Go look back at the ratings during 1988 uh, Saturday Night Main Event, the second Hogan and Andre match. 33. Who's bigger? Who's bigger than? Who's bigger than nobody? Roman and Brock but right now. How, how big is the industry? People are de- people are debating the okay. industry's dead. They're not debating the industry's dead in 1987. They're saying it's the biggest it's ever been. 97,000 people went to the Pontiac Silverdome to just watch. Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. They're not okay. So, so attendance is part of it. Attendance right, is going to be part of this, correct? So, do we know the attendance? We yet? don't know the no, attendance yet, but we do know right now that it's like fifty thousand of a hundred thousand seat arena are are sold right now. But we don't know. I it don't yet. think they're going to be able to sell out that arena, especially because it's two nights. They're not going to be able to do it. And. You're about to prove my point, but you don't even know okay, yet. Okay, second off, go ahead. What will this do for Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar afterwards? Nothing. Nothing. Says who? So if Roman Reigns wins that match, okay. First of all, this is this is a yes. unification title match, right? They've had the brand split for however long, and I'm not saying the brand split's going to go away, but there's absolutely significance when you compare the fact that they're bringing two titles into that main event there, and one person's going to walk before. out with his championship. Who's what? It's been who's, done before. Who, so what? It's been done before, and that match was Everything bigger. Everything in pro wrestling's been bigger. done before. The, first, the last time they did it, Warrior and Hogan, Warrior and Hogan. Jericho? That match was bigger. The Ultimate Challenge is definitely you're, bigger again, you're about than to... this match because of Why? the hype that was going Why? into it. They wanted to see it. So there's no hype. Go- there's no hype going. Who's Reigns. winning this match? Who's going to win? Brock or Roman? Who's the biggest threat to Seth Roman Seth Rollins. Oh, give me it. You don't even believe no, that. I'm you're not. lying through Seth your teeth and you know it. There's no way, Seth, there's nobody on this earth that legitimately thinks. So do you think if they were to walk in there, right, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, right, you had that match, or you had Brock Mm -hmm. versus Roman, and you had to bet your life is on the line. If one of those two guys is going to beat Roman Reigns, you're going to bet on on Seth Rollins. Yep. Come on, man. You're lying to yourself. Historically, historically, this is another thing the IWC is bitching about. Oh, it's a rematch. First of all, how many times did Okada and Omega wrestle each other? Four if they times. had that match next week, are people getting pumped for it? Are they getting pumped for it? Yes, they are. Okay, so historically, 
there's there's intrigue there between Brock and Roman because mm-hmm. they have a history, right? You don't know who's going to win this match. You don't know what's going to happen with Roman Reigns. This is historic. You have to wait and see how history plays itself out because if Roman goes on to carry this championship, brings prestige to it, which he's trying to do his best given it's WWE, um, to make this the most relevant title in pro wrestling, he's trying to make the very best of this title reign. If he goes on and carries that title to next year's WrestleMania, this obviously, ha- this match itself holds historical value. To, to just brush it aside and say, every match you named, Andre and Hogan, those are historic matches because they delivered and were able to look back on them historically and say they delivered. This match needs to happen before we can truly say, or write it off as uh, it didn't live up to hype. You're 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 leaving it dead no, on, dead no, on, no, no, uh, no. dead on what arrival. Essentially, to call it, it's just like Edge and Orton last year with the or two years ago, whatever that match was, the greatest wrestling match ever. It's nowhere near going to be the greatest match ever. Was it a good match? It was a it good was match. Good, though. Yes, but for you're, okay. you end up but, pissing fans off at the same time. Going, no way is that going to no, be the best no. match ever. No, because as long as, and this is the thing, as long as people can look at it and it passes the straight eye test and you can legitimately say, look, it wasn't the best match ever, but you know what? It was damn, it was a damn good match, which is exactly what happened with Edge and Orton. Nobody, nobody in their right mind is going to say that's the greatest match of all time, but at the very least, it was a very good match. So nobody looks at that and it's like, what a joke. When I look at what Tony Khan says about, okay, this is a megastar, and then Christian comes out. This is somebody that's going to change the landscape of professional wrestling, and Pac comes out. And there's a mega announcement, which, mind you, I don't know why they keep promoting these as announcements, because Tony Khan doesn't actually come out and announce anything. It's just whoever it happens to be the person that releases the information, it's not actually Tony Khan making the announcement. And Keith Lee comes out. You're, you're essentially telling the people that you know that this is somebody that's not going to live up to that expectation. Not even so, close. So like, by having it already called the biggest wrestling match ever at WrestleMania history, or whatever they're calling it, aren't you also doing what you're saying with Keith Lee? No, because you need to let history play out to determine if this is the big. So you, you don't know so if why it's not play? Be. Why not, so let, if they, why not let, let things play out with Keith Lee? You're, you have him dead on arrival. Because you've, he's already gone out there and said this is a major announcement. Do you think? Do you did you consider that a major announcement for AEW when Keith I Lee debuted? No. Who is, what has Keith Lee done so far? He's still a guy that has potential. That's and it. This, and this match. That's and it. This match is nothing but potential. So okay, but so, do you see so what I'm saying? What I'm saying so if, is, if you're okay with them hyping this as the biggest wrestling match ever, and you're saying let it play out and let this match happen. Why don't you let Keith Lee play it out? And maybe he becomes the biggest. I become, it. What if he ends up being the biggest star in AEW? And this is the guy that WWE let go away. Now you look at me like that's not going to happen, but what if it does? Did, did, no, because did people it's not, think in 1995 it, it, that Stone Cold Steve Austin would be Stone Cold Steve Austin after he got fired from WCW? No. You just, okay. Let me ask you this. Stone Cold Steve Austin. If Stone Cold Steve Austin beat Shawn Michaels and did not become the biggest pro wrestling star that we've ever seen, would anybody even consider that to be a historically great match? Probably not. Was it in front of a massive crowd? No. Was it a great match? No. That match if is Stone good. Stone Cold Steve that Austin didn't match. become the But it wasn't the greatest. And here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. If 
Brock and Roman go out there and do a couple of things. One, they have a mm-hmm. good match, right? Roman Reigns wins and beats Brock Lesnar, carries the title for however long he's going to have that title. The Rock comes out and confronts him, and they have something set up for next year, and Roman carries the title into WrestleMania next year, and it's in front of 100,000 people and all of this types of stuff. You can then look back at that and, and, and realistically say, maybe that's at least in the conversation of saying, okay, you know what? Maybe that's at least the biggest WrestleMania match of all time because you got the attendance. If they deliver in the ring, you got the match. You got all that. You got the significance because it's uh, two titles that they're trying to unify. There's all those things going into this. And if it means that Roman Reigns gets to carry that title and adds a big legitimate name to, the, to his title reign and Brock Lesnar, all of that makes it more likely that it can actually be the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Now, is, is it a big feat for them to go out there and do that? Yes. The difference is this. Tony Khan is going out there promising the fans a megastar. So assume he, this person is already a star. Not saying that what's going to happen in the future. It's somebody that has already proven that they are a megastar. None of those guys are. It's a major announcement. Okay, you want to consider it a major announcement based on what? Again, it's like you're bringing in somebody that has talent. They're not saying I'm, it'd be one thing to say, okay, somebody that's going to be a huge megastar. He's not saying that. He's saying this is a megastar. This is somebody that's going to change the landscape of professional wrestling. They didn't. And, and I'm not saying that they can't do it in the future, but you're telling people that you've brought somebody in that has a certain star power to their name already, and none of them did. And that's why fans okay. get upset. Well, We'll leave it at that, and I'm sure there's going to be great debate in the comment section there, but we talk about main eventers or guys who should have been main eventers, big announcements and whatnot. There was a big, actual, kind of shocking news here late in the week, and that was Cesaro quietly leaving WWE, and there's a lot of fans in the IWC and wrestling fans around the world that say, this is a guy that WWE missed on, and this is a guy that could have been a world champion at least multiple times. He could have main evented WrestleManias. He's just that damn good. He was that over at times, and it just never happened. He did end up main eventing a backlash with Roman, and Roman won that match. But nonetheless, the question that we've gotten a couple times from our fans and on the community and on Twitter is, what's next for Cesaro? Where is he going now that he's left WWE? He does not have a no-compete clause because his contract expired. So... He can literally walk onto Dynamite this coming Wednesday. He can literally show up on New Japan Strong the next time they do their tapings. Mm-hmm. He can literally go to the Impact Zone or MLW or start doing indie dates or whatever the case may be. Where's he going? It's tough, man. I Obviously, the first reaction everybody wants to see her is, okay, right. he's going to go to EW because, you know, realistically, outside of uh, WWE, there's... A, there's Probably some intriguing matches there for him and a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that they can revisit because of people he's worked with in WWE. I don't know. There's just so many guys that they've signed. Is there, are they going to be able to find time for him? All that. T- I, I don't know. I, I don't know if AEW is a realistic thing. If he's not going to go there. New, New Japan, I guess. See, I. He can honestly, realistically, he can go anywhere he wants right. in my mind. I think I, I've seen some people throw out impact because of, you know, look at what they did with uh big cast. Look what they did with Mickey James. Look what they did with the iconics. Yeah. You know, there have been a lot of these former WWE stars that have done well in impact wrestling. 
And he might be the next one that actually ends up being a world champion at impact because, you know, the, the level of, or the guys at the top level aren't really there yet. And they need someone to beat Moose and Cesaro could jump right in and be a guy that beats Moose. So that's a possible scenario. AEW, I don't think he will live up to the expectations fans will give him as a big mega star or a big main eventer. I think he will be pretty much the same that he was in WWE. A guy that could give you great matches in and out. Probably, you know, whether it's singles or tag teams, end up on the upper mid card, maybe main events, one pay-per-view, but he's not going to be this long reigning world champion. He's not going to be the face of the, the face of the company that people thought he could have been in WWE. But a place that I think he could do even better than is new Japan pro wrestling. They push their foreigners or gaijin wrestlers a little bit differently where in-ring talent is more of a, a criteria or a check, a box to check than character, you know, whereas AEW in America, you need character. You need to have that reason. The fans connect. You can't just be a good wrestler. And even like guys that people said, Oh, was can't miss in WWE. They go to AEW and they're practically at the same level. They were in AEW. If you go to new Japan, I could see him in the talks of IWGP heavyweight champion. I could. And he could have some great matches there with the likes of Okada and Tanahashi and Suzuki and uh, even Taichi or Chingo Takagi. You know, there's some great matches there. I don't know if he wants to go to Japan. He might have to stay in the States. But even then, you got guys like Jay White and Juice Robinson where he could do well with and Tom Waller. So I think he's better fit in New Japan than he is AEW right now. And let's not forget, we also have to have the conversation. It can be entirely likely that he does go back to That's WWE true. because unlike other people, he was not released. They just couldn't come right. to terms. WWE legitimately tried to resign him. It didn't work out. And he said, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm just going right. to walk away. WWE could very easily increase the amount of money or whatever they couldn't agree on. I don't know. Assuming it's money could be or creative something differences like that. Too. Yeah, they can very, very easily go back to him and give him what he was looking for. Look, look at, uh, give him what he was asking, or he can go back to WWE and say, you know, I talked to some of the other promotions. They just don't have anything I'm intrigued in. Let's sit down. Let's talk. And, you know, honestly, I think WWE is the best spot for him. Not to say, are there fun matches out there for him? Yes. But much like you just said, if he were to go to AEW, just based on the structure alone with some of the guys that they have there, I don't see him like main eventing and being like a, a champion there. Can I see him having like matches with some of their top tier guys? Of course. I mean, Omega's, uh, Brian Danielson, all those guys, those are fun matches. Those are matches you want to mm-hmm. see. But being that main eventer, they're already having a hard enough time to get some of the guys on TV as much as you want to see them. And that's not even including their four pillars, right. if you will. So, um, yeah, I, I think that right now for him, it's probably best for him to go back to WWE because they know, you know, he's had that spot. They know he knows where they're going to put him, and you know, why try anywhere else? I guess I don't. know. I mean, what they could have just done is quietly just have Vince McMahon and Tony Khan in a room and just say, "All right, let's have a trade. We're going to trade you." Cesaro, Keith Lee, cash considerations, and a wrestler to be named later for Cody Rhodes. 
And then you give that to Dave Meltzer, and Dave Meltzer just reports it as breaking news. And then you have it like like hot stove baseball, just have a big like uh, show on YouTube with Sean Ross Sapp and Dave Meltzer and Andrew Zarian and Ryan Satin just dissecting this big trade between the two companies. And that will really be a massive announcement. We traded Cody Rhodes but- for Cesaro, Keith Lee, cash considerations, and a wrestler to be named later, which will probably be Ricochet. Uh, let's talk about another guy that was recently released from WWE and might have actually confirmed he's going to AEW and he's actually touring some indie dates uh, with his brother, Matthew. And actually they're coming to Connecticut for a couple matches. And one of them is against Enzo and Cass uh, late March. Uh, might have to check that one out, but it's uh, Jeff Hardy. So our next question comes from the YouTube community page. Thanks to Luigi Costa do you see the Hardys, if it actually happens that Jeff goes to AEW, winning the AEW Tag Team Championship? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Um, because, you know, I, the Hardys are one of the best tag teams of all time. If there's one thing that AEW has proven is that they are committed to trying to uh, promote, you know, historically great wrestlers or um, big stars and try to treat them right. And I think that, you know, Matt Hardy... He's he's obviously older. Jeff is obviously mm-hmm. older. Can they go at the level that they once did? Uh, Jeff seemed to be doing just fine right before he left the WWE. Yeah. And Matt, for what it's worth, I mean, and especially in a tag match situation, I, I say, why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's a short run, it, it'd be intriguing. It'd be something to get people talking about it. So, yeah, I think they're going right. to. And you think about that little independent run that they had prior to returning to WWE and the matches they were having in like ring of honor with the Bucks and the Briscoes or whatever. Yep. Now get that on a national TV level where if the Briscoes do end up coming to AEW, you already have the Bucks there. You have the FTR there, all these dream matches that you could have with them as the, the tag team champions. Why not? And then whoever defeats them, make it a retirement match. If they lose, they retire Bam, yeah. that's it. And that's a great way to go and, out. And, and don't forget, it was always what AEW was committed to. They said right from the very beginning, they wanted to focus on tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you already mentioned some of the guys that they have under contract. The Briscoes teased having something with the, the FTR a couple of months ago. So maybe they're into the equation. So adding the Hardys in my mind is a no brainer. Right. If Sting can go out there occasionally and wrestle matches with Darby Allen and all, whoever else, Jeff and Matt are certainly capable of going out there and having matches too. Right. Totally agree. But speaking of a future champion, let's talk about a current champion. We had a couple questions here. The first one on Twitter from Ashu Bichet, which I apologize if I mispronounced that, but uh, he asked, what do you think so far of Jade Cargill's booking in AEW? He says it's pretty close to what I've been saying. They should book her uh, in AEW. I'll admit it's, it's a decent booking. It could be better. Is it like what I say it should be? Kinda. She's still undefeated at 28 and 0. But I think as she's getting better and better in the ring, I think she still needs to have shorter matches and squash matches to kind of prove her dominance instead of having these competitive matches against the bunny and and Ruby Soho and stuff like that. They should have just let her sweep and dominate through that tournament. And then win the TBS title, continue that dominance until this match with Ty Conti happening at Revolution. That's the match where she kind of has a contested match for the first time. 
not, you know, where she's been having these 20 minute matches right now. And I think AEW and their fan base don't want to see that. Although at the same time, you see Wardlow kind of doing that right now where he's having these quick matches because people just want to see him do the, the powerbomb symphony. That's kind of what Jade should have been doing from the beginning. What Wardlow's doing now is what Jade should have been doing from the get-go. And I don't think she's ever really had that, except on Dark, where it's a YouTube thing, so not everybody knows. I don't mind it at all. I, here, here's, here's a couple of things that I think, a couple issues I think they're going to run into, though. Uh, AEW does not have a lot of women contracted to, to, their, to their roster. So, you More know, than she you could think, be though. 20... More than you so, think. But the, the, the problem is going to be, you know, how many of those people has she already beaten? True. You know, this isn't like back in WCW when they were padding Goldberg's record where they go, oh, yeah, a couple of weeks later after a couple of house shows. Oh, yeah, he, he won 10 times. Okay. <laughs> right. They don't do house shows. They're not going to do that. So, okay. So that, that's that scratch. You can't inflate her numbers to make her seem better than she is. Um, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, having her go out there and have good, long, competitive matches with people is... Um, it doesn't do her any favors. It doesn't necessarily hurt her all that much, but um, I think it would do wonders for her if they had some local talent that they could bring in like every other week for her to squash those people just to show her dominance. So that way it, 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 one, it does a couple things. One, it shows that she's that much better and that much more above certain people. And then when she does have a match where it's competitive, it shows that somebody else is equal to her or at least a little bit below her. Right. So, um, long story short, I like it. I'm into it. I think she's great. And I think that they should keep going with it. Um, it's just a matter of how far can they go with it, knowing that they don't have the, that many women, uh, contracted and they, they, you know, she's already beaten a lot of them. Right. Especially when you start talking about like Ruby Soho and people like that, it's like, all right, well, you should have saved those matches because she's supposed to be one of their better female wrestlers. Exactly. And now we bring up this women's talent. And here's the next question that comes from Murray Lindsay. Who dethrones Jade Cargill as the TBS champion? And we kind of already answered it as we don't know. There's really no one there. Uh, could it be someone that they haven't signed yet that eventually comes in and they have like the ultimate warrior ending the honky tonks intercontinental championship uh, title reign, which I'm pretty sure is still the longest today, but still, um, I don't know who they can, who can have her dethrone her. If Britt Baker drops the title to Rosa, for example, that could be someone that you can have beat Cargill. But does that devalue the TBS championship? Because it's just, oh, I dropped the big title. Let me get the smaller yeah. title now. Or do you have someone in the wings that we don't know yet? Is there someone like a Penelope before that just has a monster push and then all of a sudden, she's the one that beats her. Is there someone that isn't signed yet, like a Mia Yim that gets thrown in there? And then she comes signed, and then boom, she's the one that throws Cargill. Or is it someone that is kind of equal in stature and can match with her size-wise and dominance-wise that ends up beating her, like a Nyla Rose? Camille Brickhouse. But she's not signed yet. No, I know, I know. Well, naturally, what's going to happen here is they're going to book it as the biggest uh, women's match of all time, and then she's going to go title for title against Britt Baker. So, I mean, that's but just, then that's overhype and under delivering. No, I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think they should keep the belt on her for as long as they can, as long as the fans are open and receptive to her. Um, it's tough because this is certainly a little more. 
I guess if you want to call it sports entertainment, then pro wrestling, just because of the they're way the same she's being thing. booked. Like nope, Goldberg. they're the same thing. Let's not get yeah, into that. Yeah, but debate. this is this is something that you'd definitely uh, expect to see. I expect more more likely to happen on WWE programming and not True. necessarily W. You know, but True. just because even the way they put the numbers up there on the screen and, and their fans, you know, even being at the show in, in Bridgeport, there, um, it wasn't like they were booing her. She was over. You know, mm-hmm. and as long as she's over and as long as the fans are open and receptive to it, I think they should just keep the belt on her. I agree. I've been saying from the get go, she's she's money. I know she's green, but she's money. She can't have that Goldberg type run. And I know I was not a fan of then and now of Goldberg. But Jade, I don't know what it is, but I I want to see her every week squashing people dominating in the women's division until they could find someone to actually beat her for that title and it make it mean something. So I don't know if I have a name for it yet. Unfortunately, I know that kind of goes around the question that was originally asked, but I don't know who it is, but whoever it is, it better be someone you plan on making important in that division. Yeah. The other, the other thing too is she's kind of a heel. Right. Also, sometimes acts like a baby face, so it's like, all right, well, you got to build her up and build up, build up another person to to be that person who can beat her. And I I don't know if they have that right now. So if if they didn't if they didn't slow down on Cheetah after she lost the title to yeah. to Britt Baker, you could have brought her back. And maybe you know when she comes back from Japan, that's the plan with her, that she can, you know, she'll probably go through Deeb, get that win back. And maybe she starts to push as the one that that dethrones yeah. Jade, and I would I would be fine with that. If it's not her, to me in my mind, it's almost got to be somebody that's gonna have a, a completely fresh start in AEW. And I don't know, Ember Moon, if they decide to go out and sign her, maybe Tony Storm and they push her. Sh- yeah, somebody like that. Um, but right now, you'd really have to start rebuilding Sheeta, like somebody mm-hmm. like Riho. I don't think that's the right person. Probably because she will just win with a roll up anyway. Yeah, I probably. swear that is her finishing move. Someone could tell me otherwise. It's not her finishing move is a roll up or a schoolboy, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's her finisher. But anyway, we got one more question here. Another fun one to close it out from CW on our community page. Which wrestler from years past would have made a successful run today? Oh, you go first. I got to I got to think about this one. This is, I know we went back and forth on this a little bit earlier in the week, but a guy that I kind of will throw out there because he was big in WCW, big in New Japan, but then WWE, he just was not that guy. And I think today he could have been that guy. That's Vader. I think Vader today, you know, especially when today, not everyone is, is like overly big. Like you have, you have Roman, you have. Lesnar, but then that's it as far as like big. I mean, McIntyre, yes, but like as far as like tough guys and big guys, there's none like Vader. I think. I think that's yeah. a guy. If he came in today, he would probably be the most dominant heel in WWE or AEW. And you already know he probably would have been in New Japan too because he was there too. I would say Vader. I'm going to go with RVD and I know RVD was a star in WWE and he had some really big matches. He did some really cool, cool things when he tagged with Kane. 
Um, he won the championship from Cena and then, you know, obviously lost it. I mean, he's not the ideal. If you were to line up guys in a line and say, okay, who's going to be a WWE champion? Looks alone, he probably isn't going to be somebody that you're going to point out. Um, back then, there was very few options. Uh, you either went to WWE, you went to WCW, which obviously they on in a business, or guys like him were big in ECW. Um, knowing now what the fan base values and the fact that, you know, I think a lot of fans really are interested in not just personality, but they're more willing to accept you, even if you're not some huge, you know, Matt Jack, juiced up guy, right. like, uh, however else was on top in WWE. Um, but your work rate is obviously important to certain fans too. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, RVD was a guy that was maybe just a little undersized to be the heavyweight champion in WWE at that time. You know, the the right size for what the fans look for right now and could obviously wrestle very good and has a much different personality um, than anybody else. So I, I think RVD could have been definitely a top tier guy in either promotion today. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it's such a hard question because like a lot of the guys that I would think of had somewhat decent runs. They just weren't like the face of the company or WrestleMania main eventers and stuff like that. And I think... Today, Vader could have been that guy, especially if you play to the fact that, oh, he was on Boy Meets World. He has acting ability. So, you know, throw that in there uh, for Vince McMahon, because there's that, that's a lot of things lacking, too. As as great as work rate is now in today's wrestling, promo skills are so lacking with many wrestlers today that like you look at MJF, who is leagues above everybody else. In today's wrestling. But if you brought him to the Attitude Era, does he compete with those guys? Maybe most of them, but still, he's not the best promo in the industry right now. Yeah, no, it's tough. And especially nowadays where, you know, even you go back and you look at some of the people who weren't even necessarily known for their ability to cut promos. And, (coughs) excuse me, compared to some of the people of today, and you're just like, oh, wow, they were actually much better. I said JBL. I mean, because right now... yep. Um, yeah, MJF is a guy that is obviously a, a mega heel, but to have somebody who is that arrogant, over the top, loudmouth Texan who, you know, he, his personality to see where he was and where he, what he became, you just don't have that guys that can go out there and command the room like that anymore. You just don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very few people that can do that. I um, mean, he could do that. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe somebody like him. I don't even know if you want to say like Mr. Kennedy. I, I don't know. Just be based on personality alone. You know, I just came up with a name. He was a decent promo, but not the greatest. But he was probably the best in-ring wrestler and could have main event matches with everybody. And he was never the mania main event guy, but probably could be today. And that is Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And the other guy, the other guy too, you could throw in there. Rest in peace. Owen Hart. Yeah. Absolutely. And and one more one more recipe to him too. Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. I think those three, perfect Owen and Pillman would be great guys in today's wrestling because they had the work rate, they had the promo ability, and I think they could connect with a crowd better than anybody. I think than today. I think those guys right there would have better runs now than they did when they were in their prime. 
unfortunately we'll never get to see that with those guys but i'd be happy to see what people say in the comments below so share this all over social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter scpv podcast subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode of the squared circle cycle babble